Hello and welcome back to another Chat with Sunlight podcast. I am Sunny of Sunlight's Community and Social Media Manager, and I am being joined today by Janelle Lilly. She is John and Serena Holtzman's daughter. And if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you know I often interview Sarita about various homeschool issues, concerns, encouragement, and things happening at Sunlight. But I'm thrilled to have Janelle back on, and we are going to be talking all about reading challenges. This is a subject that we both have dealt with in our own homeschools, and I'm excited to have you here, Janelle. Why is this something that you're so passionate about? Thank you so much, Sunny. Yes, I am passionate about this because um, it has had a big impact on particularly my middle daughter. Um, And through that, actually my son as well, who's our youngest. Um, But I'll share more about why it's impacted him as well. But um, as we continue, but no, I'm just, this is something that um, I know so many people deal with, um, in particular, reading challenges with their children in their homeschooling. And um, I just am like, there is, there are better ways to do this. And um, I'm just excited to encourage parents on how to, to hang in there to support their children. Well, I just love it. I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. And let's dive right in to what to do if you suspect your child has a learning issue, or how do you know what regular development looks like even because if you're homeschooling and you're teaching your own children you you may or may not recognize that or you might be needlessly concerned or you know how do you figure out what normal development looks like for a child that age or if there's a cause for concern Yes. Um, first, I want to say I am so thankful um, for Sunlights um, uh, through Sarita, her kind of perspective on kids learn to read at so many different ages um, up to about second grade. That's why we have so many different reader programs. And so for me, that was really comforting to just kind of say, I don't need to be stressed out about this. I want to be aware and I want to be preparing my children, but it's maybe not quite as intense as I, I would need to make it feel. Um kind of the, the key moment for me was I was helping my daughter try to read something and she was just missing the sounds completely where I would say one sound and she would repeat back a different sound to me. And I was kind of like, oh, we are, I'm not prepared for this. I don't know how to help you because I I don't know why you're not hearing this sound. Um, and so then I really started having conversations because I only had one older child. Um, I, I was sort of like, I don't know what's normal. What what ought my expectation even to be? So I started talking with trusted friends, people who not only love me, but love my children, want to see the best in them um, and want to see them succeed. Uh, definitely talked with my mom and my own sister who also was homeschooling her kids. It's kind of like, hey, what is your experience? What have you seen? Um, what have the patterns been with your children? Um, what what do you see? And kind of through that, um, we kind of discovered it was like, okay, no, this isn't, this probably is not um, in that same kind of normal pattern. Um, my sister with her family, um, they were dealing with um, also some kind of reading struggles and just kind of like, huh, I wonder if we're missing a key piece here. So my sister invited me to um, do a program with her. And at the time I was sort of like, okay, why not? Um, and so we dove into this like two semester long, actually very intensive uh, program for completing brain development, um, where we did creeping and crawling. Honestly, the class was life-changing for me. Um, It didn't have the desired effect that I was kind of hoping like, oh, maybe this will just solve all of our reading issues. Um, It was still completely worth it for lots of other reasons. But um, at that point, then it was sort of like, okay, what, what else is next? We've had the conversations we've kind of taken care of low-hanging fruit of here's just kind of baseline things that we could do kind of what are next steps. 
I love that. There was something you mentioned there that really stuck out to me about finding people who also love your children and have their best interests at heart. I think that's so helpful. Sometimes when you're homeschooling, you feel like you're on an island by yourself, maybe, or that if your child's not learning, you're going to be the one to blame for them not learning the right way. And I love that you have those resources of other people who also care about your children um, and would have you know, been able to alert you maybe to something that was different or unique um, that you had not experienced yet. I know for me, uh, my first child learned to read early. It was not very challenging. She loved to read almost immediately. And so when my son came along and he wasn't learning like that, I it, I was kind of like, oh, okay, is this normal? Is it not? Is this just he learns differently than she does? He's a boy versus a girl. Like I wasn't really sure, but I got into the Sunlight Connections community and saw, you know, this is a common question that people have. Is my child learning to read at the, you know, quote unquote right age? Um, and I saw that it was a very wide span. So I kind of let it go for a few years because I thought, okay, he's just not ready yet. Um, but what was happening with us is if we said, okay, the letter A sounds like this or the letter C sounds like this. And then I would show him letters and say, what does that sound like? From day to day, he just wasn't remembering it. Um, and it was actually somebody in the Sunlight Connections community that said, go get his eyes checked. And I hadn't thought about that yet because I assumed you needed to be able to read an eye chart to go to the eye doctor, right? How are you going to read an eye chart if you don't know the letters? And he was struggling with the names and the sounds at that point. When I got to the eye doctor, though, the, he explained that they're able to tell by the shape of the eye where a child's focusing and things like that. They don't actually need to be able to read yet. And it turned out that his eyes focus at different ranges. So when he's looking at a page, a letter like a C and an A are gonna look very similar. And that's why he was struggling because he was essentially not able to see what he was looking at. Um, so glasses fixed that problem for him. But how do you know if it's something that needs to be tested or if you need to take those steps of, getting out there, talking to a professional or finding, you know, you mentioned you used another program with your sister. When do you start looking at, at those things and figuring out, okay, maybe it's more than just this child is going to read at six and this one's going to read at eight or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I think it is really, I think this goes back to, um, it's kind of like the mom's intuition of even when you go to the doctor, right? Um, I tend to be on the much more like, you're probably fine. We'll wait it out. But at a certain point, you know, like, oh no, you're not fine. It, we need to go get tested for strep, right? Um, <laughs> and so in the same way, I think that um, a lot of these types of tests, um, again, as you have the conversation with people that you trust, that love you, love your children, um, as you continue to observe your children, you're going to know like, ah, nope, this is just, this is just not right. Um, I also had it through my extended community. Um, I got the personal recommendation for me. That's always the way I, I love to go. My sister does the research and I'm like, oh, if you're doing it, I'll do it with you. Like we did with that program. But um, <laughs> I'm like, if, hey, who knows someone who has done, you know, vision therapy or has an eye doctor that they trust or like. Um, and so through a personal recommendation, then we went to um, this place where they don't just look at their eyes because my daughter had had an eye test. And a quick note on that, it's really interesting. Um, again, kind of for me, this is such a crucial piece is to, to, to say like, who is even interacting with your children and what kind of a um, 
what kind of uh, effect are they having on them? The first eye doctor that we had taken her to, it was like this big like, when I asked to not have her read letters because she couldn't read them, she couldn't identify them yet. And so, I mean, he even had pictures and you're like, she is intelligent enough that she can tell you what the pictures are um, because they are, you know, she can see them and identify like, this is a bow, this is a cross, whatever. Um, And it was one of those things where I was like, I will never go to that eye doctor again. That's, I do not even want your sighing over my child to have any, you know, any impact on her because this is not a question of her intelligence or what she's able to do. I'm literally needing you to come alongside me, eye doctor or professional of any kind, um, and help me find solutions for my child. So I have not been to him, I've been back to him. I would never go back, won't recommend someone to him. Um, but we went to another eye doctor who, um, could do testing for her for, um, um, you know, would vision therapy be help, helpful? Um, for my daughter, she had a convergence issue. Uh, this was really kind of coming to head because we were taking a music class. And if she could hear the song, she could plunk it out along with everyone else in her class. But as soon as it was like, hey, now just read the music, um, all of a sudden she wasn't able to do it because her eyes are not converging. She can't actually even see the notes and what they're doing. Um, and so then we started on our journey of vision therapy. We did that for a year. Um, for us, we we're discovering all of this right at the beginning of 2020. So we had several months where we were doing vision therapy on our own. Um, I was really thankful. It was genuinely like right there in March and they were able to put together a packet for us. And so we were able to just do stuff at home. Um, And then we could, they started doing Zoom meetings and then eventually we were able to go in. And so we would go in once a week for her to meet with a therapist. and then at just about a year, she graduated from that program and then started a year of reading therapy. And so that's kind of been our progression um, of, again, you know, kind of like, okay, we've done the simple things that we can do, and now we just need a little bit more support. And so finding the the support that is actually going to be helpful for us and encouraging us, that was hugely important. Yeah, I love what you said there about finding help that is helpful, like with the medical professionals, whether it be a doctor or an eye doctor, that's such a great point. And that's where I think, yeah, word of mouth, if you can get a recommendation for someone, I know I oftentimes am saying, oh, went to this pediatrician, didn't love, you know, their interaction with my child, who do you go to? Or, you know, what eye doctor do you, all of those different things, because yeah, absolutely. If they are not taking your concerns seriously. Like you said, you're with this child, you know, when something might be off, you you just kind of can go with your gut there, you know, and so I love that you, you went around and found those resources that would be the best helpful for her. Um, But what are some of the, the best ways you mentioned your daughter was able to identify shapes, she could hear music and play that music after hearing it, it was the vision piece that she was struggling with. But how do you best identify the ways that your child learns best, or maybe help them. I know sometimes like my tendency as a homeschool mom is to teach the way I like to learn because that's what makes sense in in my mind, you know, but that's not necessarily the way either of my children are going to learn best. So how do you identify those things and then move forward with the best path for those children? Well, I grew up with sunlight and I'm doing sunlight with my own children. So for me, I'm always going to start with 
just read the good books. Um, I think this was uh, something, you know, so my daughter has been dealing with vision issues. At this point, she's in sixth grade and is not reading at level. We're doing um, F this year. And so I have actually just chosen to read all of the read alouds and readers to her. I do have her do her own reading work um, in a grade appropriate level for her um, so that she's still getting that practice. She still sits beside me every day and reads out her books. Um, but for school and for the fun books, I just read them all. <laughs> I'm like, yay, more fun books. Um, when you mentioned, you know, what do you, you know, I, oh, do I just teach my children the way I want to learn? I'm like, who doesn't want to listen to good books? So I am probably, <laughs> I, I'm the mom who forces my children, forces my children to do school outside when it's sunny, because I'm like, this is, I'm living my best life, reading good books in the sunshine. Um, So, uh, I, but I, for all of my children, and they are all very different people, they are still able to learn through stories. I really think that that is the key piece um, of when you're learning, if you're able to get infused in someone else's life, it comes alive. And so I just think that there's there's no wrong way um, with reading. So I would say, just read the books. That's the beauty of sunlight. And then um, for the more kind of like table subjects, you just make the uh, accommodations that they need. And so whether that's, okay, I'm going to have you, I'll still read the reader book for you at grade level so that you can be capturing the historical or just the additional fun book that we have at that level. But have you just read at the appropriate level? Um, okay, do you need additional help with math? We will make sure that you have that or we'll slow things down or whatever the direction is. One of the um, really key things for me that I realized as we were doing um, vision therapy was how long I kind of have to teach the harder subjects. For me, reading is super easy. I just said, you know, oh, this is my best life to read books out loud. But I discovered that I have about like half an hour, maybe 45 minutes of like the really tough teaching um, kind of in myself. So when my daughter was doing vision therapy, that was really, really hard work. Um, you know, she would get these assignments and these exercises were literally impossible for her, for her when she would get that um, assignment, you know, hey, do whatever it was. And it was like, oh, like this is actually physically impossible for her. And then we would work hard and work hard and work hard for a week. And then at the end of a week or two, she could suddenly be able to do this. But that was really hard work. It was really hard work for her. It was hard work for me to be like, yes, you can do this. Keep going, do it another time. You know, we've got this. And so at the end of really working with her, I was really done. Um, and I think that was a really important piece for me to recognize was that I don't have extra that I can give in additional subjects. So for me, that looked like I um, was able to hire a math tutor, um, for my oldest at that time. I'm, I have since <laughs> hired out math for my other students as well as the years have gone by. But um, to just say like, I need to be aware of what I'm able to do. So when I was doing reading therapy with my middle daughter, I was not trying to teach my son, who was the youngest, how to read. So at this moment, he is also behind in reading. Um, he will be fine. He will get caught up. And again, I'm playing the long game here. Um, unless the Lord were to really convict me, I expect that I will be homeschooling all of my children. I love it. I love having them at home and um, they like it just fine. So um, that works for us. But so for me, it was like, I'm going to allow your education to just kind of be what it is. You're still learning lots of things. He um, does F with us as well. Um, and so it, it's like, you're still, you're still hearing the stories. You're still doing a little bit of math. You're still being read to do and that it's fine. It's good enough. Um, and that was a really big really big piece of kind of honoring um, where my daughter learns and then how I can be a good teacher and be a good mom to all of the kids um, was saying, okay, right now for this year, for these two years, you're the person who needs the little bit of extra. 
And there'll be times when you don't. Um, and one of your other siblings needs extra, maybe not in a therapy uh, format, but in life circumstances or that whatever you're going through, someone else might need that extra time. And um, I want to be available and ready to offer that to them. And so I think for me, that is another just like a piece of encouragement, I think, to recognize like, hey, how do our children learn? They're going to have different needs at different seasons in life and to recognize where we're at um, so that we're able to offer that to them um, in their time of need, recognizing that maybe they won't always have that same level of like, oh my gosh, I have to do this therapy with you for this long. Um, back off on the other stuff so that you can give them that need then and then, or, you know, match that need. And then um, you probably won't have to do that forever, depending on the case. <laughs> yeah, you said so many great things there because I think, yeah, so many times as parents were overwhelmed because we're trying to do it all or we want to do it all perfectly, however we we see it perfectly. And there's certain times and seasons that, you can't. I also love what you said about prioritizing the child that needs you at that time. Um, my, I have two kids, they're five years apart. So they've always been in very different levels and, and all of that. And I have jokingly said that I really only teach one and a half kids every year because I prioritize whichever child needs me the most. And then the other one it's about half as much, but depending on their age and where they are at different times, you know, that. The, it's gone back and forth. It's not like I'm just prioritizing one child, but it's been, oh, this child needs me more right now. So I'm going to put my eggs in that basket, right? And really help that child so that I can be patient with them and do all the things that they need to learn. Um, you mentioned encouraging a child that's struggling. That's such a big deal, right? Because they might already be feeling, you know, worried about the fact that they're not keeping up or they're not doing things the way maybe a sibling did um, or all of that, but, but being there to encourage that child and be what they need while they're going through that struggle, I think is so important. So yeah, I love all the things you said there. And, and yeah, I love, of course, reading the books. I've been an avid reader my whole life. So for me, that's what is so attractive about Sunlight is I get to read and enjoy and I wanted my kids to experience that as well. And I have one child who's like me, we consume books and we memorize facts and we don't like to do a lot of hands-on, but then my son is very much the hands-on. He wants to touch and feel and act out and, you know, be the character that we're learning about. And so costumes are involved oftentimes in school with him or he's up, you know, acting out the story or, you know, those types of things. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of homeschool is allowing your kids to learn the way they learn and in a way that is also fun for them. Like you said, anybody can learn from a story. And I love the way you've modified the approach for your kids. And, and that's something that I think if people are listening and they feel like they have to do everything a certain way, you don't. You get to modify it to fit your kids, your family, and what they need. So how do you handle those feelings maybe of failure that you might feel if it's not going the way you want. I know, I think a lot of times those of us drawn to homeschooling, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? We are the teacher and we've got to make sure our child is educated. And when it doesn't go 100% according to plan, sometimes it can be very overwhelming. So how do you handle that? Or what encouragement would you offer for somebody right now who feels like they're at their wit's end, it's, it's not working for them or they feel like they're failing? at providing their child with that education? Yes. So um, 
for me, one of the key, this was so critical in my life. So this program that I did with my sister, um, uh, right before I, I discovered um, that we needed to do reading therapy, um, one of the key points that I took away from that class was reframing. And um, I had lots and lots of reasons why I felt I was failing my family. So I literally, this was an exact quote of a sentence I would tell myself almost daily, like, I am a failure. I'm failing my children. I'm failing everybody, right? And um, they talked about um, in the course, like, you can't reframe that to like, I'm awesome. I'm the best parent ever. They're like, your brain does not actually believe that. <laughs> um, so, but what other statements are true? And I settled on, I will never give up on my children. So I could say that to myself every day. So every time I would think I am a failure as a mom, instead, I would try and say like, nope, the truth is I've never given up on my children. And that was honestly life-changing for me um, because it's like, I can never give up on you. Like I can actually do that until the Lord takes me home, right? Like I can believe in you. I can push you. I can find resources for you. I can support you. I can do that. For the rest of my life because I've never given up on you. Um, and so even if I'm not a perfect parent, which of course I'm not, um, even if I'm not happy every day, even if everything is not going as swimmingly as I would want, I'm never going to give up. And um, so that was, that was really, really huge for me. Um, probably the biggest thing that I did was just start speaking something over myself that I was like, this is true. And it's not a bad statement, right? So whether that's, uh, you know, I, I'm a failure. No, um, I, um, I'm going to get you the help you need. Uh, I'm a failure. Um, I am going to continue investing in you. All of those things, whatever is true for you as a parent. Um, and there's no, it's not a weird, like, oh, I, people can get kind of odd for, um, you know, different kind of statements that we say over each other. And for me, it was just literally like, I'm going to take this captive and I'm going to turn it around and give that to the Lord. Um, and just say like, I haven't given up on my children. That is, is so true. I know because I, my tendency is towards being a perfectionist. And so that was something that I really had to learn when I started homeschooling is nope, it's, it's never going to be perfect. And, and try as I might, even though I know that God doesn't ask us to be perfect and we're going to fail at that, that I realized, okay, wait a second, with the exception of God, who loves my children more than I do? No, nobody else does, right? And so anytime I was like, oh, I'm not cut out for this, or maybe they would be better off with somebody else teaching them. I'm like, oh, but that other person doesn't love them like I do. God didn't give that other person my child, right? He He's going to equip me to do what he's called me to do, which is to raise my children. And in our case, I feel like homeschooling is what he wants me to do. So while it's not always going to be easy, and there are definitely going to be days that I'm sitting there like, oh, what do I do now? You know, I know I can call out and say, well, God, you're enough. You've got this. You you will equip me. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to love that child. I'm going to support that child. And and I'm going to advocate for that child, right? When they don't feel that they can accomplish something, I'm going to tell them, yes, you can. I know you can. And we will figure out a way. And and like you said, you, you support your children in a way that maybe nobody else ever will because you love them as their mother. I jumped in there. I got so excited, but did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. I really think that that, that position of advocating for your children is so crucial. Um, I think for me, um, you know, if my, my daughter's going to, and, and my son at this point, cause again, he's now a little bit, he's behind, behind um, grade. Um, 
if it's like, hey, we're going to go to Sunday school and the teacher might be asking them to read scripture or we're going to theater and they might be asked to read lines. Um, I just go to the teacher privately. It's not a big deal, but just like, hey, please don't ask my child to read. Um, and, and to just say like that they don't need to be exposed to that. Um, and I may be jumping the gun on maybe one of your questions here, but I'm just going to keep going for it. Um, yeah. I think that that is such a huge piece of what I have learned through this journey is to surround yourself with people who, again, love and support your children. So we've had this even with friends. Um, Right. If you were, if your, your kid is hanging out, my daughter's had this, you know, where it's like, Hey, I have my, my, my son, my couple friends who, if we're going to play a board game, they'll just read the instructions. Or if I have to draw a card and it's not just a number, they'll read me the, whatever I'm supposed to do off of the card. And then they'll just keep playing the game. And then you have the other friends <laughs> who are like, Oh, well, this is the reader that I'm reading. And this is what I'm learning. And this is what I just have blah, 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 blah. I've even had kids who are like, well, you didn't actually read that book because you listened to the audiobook, And you're like, mm. I can still talk about the candy makers because I've listened to candy makers, um, even though I maybe didn't read the physical words. And so um, I think that is just such a critical piece of all of this is to say, who are the people who are going to be backing you? And I think that's a lesson for the rest of your life. You are always going to want to have those friends who are supportive of you. So um, the ones who are going to be supportive of you as a child are going to be the same ones who, as an adult, you're going to be able to have that safe conversation about, is this really normal? Uh, you know, what should I expect? Am I doing this right? And they're going to be able to tell you the truth, but encourage you. And so I think um, that is such a huge piece Um uh, for me, that is why I'm so passionate about this, where um, for my daughter, I'm like, I don't really think up until maybe the past two years, so like fifth and sixth grade, all of a sudden, she's kind of like, Ooh, I kind of can tell that I'm behind. So we've had more tears. But genuine, genuinely, before that, she was very unaware in the best possible way. Um, because it was sort of like you, this is just not something we have to talk about all the time. This is not something that everyone needs to know about. This is just where you're at. And so we've had a lot of conversations about like, hey, you needed help in the form of therapy, just like other people need help in the form of glasses. They might have to wear their glasses for the rest of their lives. You might need therapy just for a year. Um, I, I was laughing even as we were you know, getting started on this podcast um, where I'm like, I need my 15 year old to come and help me with tech. That's just not something I still have a skill at, but that doesn't define all of me. So I might have this one area of struggle, but this is not my entire life. It hasn't limited me from what God has called on my life. It hasn't stopped me from being able to do what he wants me to do. And I think that's really what I'm wanting my daughter um, to carry with her for the rest of her life from this time of being raised and under my care of like, you are going to be able to do whatever the Lord calls you to do. Um, you know, you were talking earlier about even reading. I'm like, my goal would be for her would, that she would be able to read to her children out loud, the sunlight books. Um, should she want to homeschool her own kids? Um, like, okay, that's what I want for you. Um, and Hey, when you're, when you start young, then the books are easier and they get harder. Right. So even with that, it's going to just be another way for her to be um, developing and growing. And so I think that that is, I'm like, I want you to know that you're going to be equipped for whatever the Lord has for you. So all of us have struggles. You were talking about perfection earlier. The reality is none of us are actually good at everything. I think um, so many of us, we get into the pattern of sort of like, oh, well, no, I'm, I can be really successful in all of these ways. And you're like, yes, but there are things that you are going to be struggling with. There are things that are not going to be as easy for you as everyone else. And so I think that's really why you can tell I'm like, I'm so passionate about this because for these kids who have such an obvious, like, 
oh, I can't read at this level at this age. I'm like, yeah, but you still have so many skills. You have so many talents. You have so many abilities that the Lord has placed specifically in you um, that you are going to be able to use for the rest of your life. And so do not use this one kind of like moment in time, this one marker, this one challenge that you have to limit you or to take you out or to make you feel or take on the pressures of the world of you ought to be something else or you ought to be able to do this to say like, no, this is a hurdle that you are walking through. It's something that you're learning about. It's something that you are processing through. Um, and and he's going to be equipping you on the far side. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love what you said, your daughter. It's only been recent that she even realized that, you know, she was different in some way or another. And I think that's one of the advantages to homeschooling, too, is that you don't have classmates around you, right? You don't have those labels of, oh, well, this is the smart kid. This is the athletic kid. This is, you know, whatever the label is that you get in school. Because you brought up the great point, Janelle, that it's it's a long-term goal here, right? We are raising our children who will one day be adults. And who are they going to be as adults? Does it matter really when they learned how to read as long as they learn it eventually by the time they're an adult and what you said about you know we're equipping them to be and do whatever God calls them to do and so you know he gives us all different strengths different skills and yeah and you're talking about the audiobooks I think about all the adults who listen to audiobooks because they're multitasking or maybe they didn't like to read my husband is one of those he was never a huge fan of looking at a book reading but he listens to audiobooks all the time. And would I say, oh, no, you're not reading because you didn't pick up the book yourself. No, you're still absorbing that information, right? And so, yeah, you said so many great things there because I know so often, you know, either the student might be feeling inadequate or you might be feeling inadequate as a parent, but a lot of that is so temporary. And if you can find the way to get through that struggle, now by encouraging them, equipping them, leaning into their strengths, you're able to move them on that path towards adulthood where they will be able to successfully do what God calls them to do. For the parent maybe who's got siblings who are competing against each other. I know my sister and I did it. I see it with my kids. Every once in a while there's, oh, well, I'm smarter than you, or I'm better at this than you, or, you know, how do you really handle that when there is an issue where, one child is struggling with something, you know, and maybe the siblings are kind of using that against each other. You know, nobody knows how to really twist that knife like a sibling does. So what do you do as the parent maybe to kind of dispel some of that and and keep the child who is struggling from feeling like maybe they're inadequate or not as good at things as their brother or sister are? Yeah, I think for me, um, I try to just be really kind of honest about like, hey, you have an older sibling and older siblings have actually just had X amount of more years of time to learn that. So again, my my the, my struggling reader is my middle child. Um, and so it, I try to be really open and honest about, hey, this is where they're at. And um, I think for me, it's just really important to be honest about, hey, this is your struggle, but your siblings have another struggle. Um, and so um I, if I catch a child speaking down to another child and it's an instant like, no, we do not talk about that. Um, I actually was uh, directing at a youth theater, slightly different story, but you know, a girl comes up to me, she's crying. Her friend says, you know, oh, this boy made fun of her ears. So I like go over to this boy and I'm sort of like, 
does she have any control over her ears? No, God does. Like, this is the way it is. Like, this is the way that she was created. So for you to, you know, make any kind of comment on that is totally inappropriate. Same thing with reading with anything, honestly. Um, And because we'll get it more with like sports and stuff like that. Like, oh, hey, here's this awesome move that I just learned in this course. And the siblings try and copy it. And it's like, well, don't be better at me. You know, don't be better than me now and it is one of those things where it's like okay you guys like allow each person to have space um and to to say like okay this person who's practicing this sport is going to most likely be the best just because they've already had the time the chance to practice it you might think that's a really cool move and want to try and do it but just recognize that it's not going to come as easy to you um and similarly with along that line i have tried to create space for everybody to have their own um kind of spaces um, with activities or sports or music or art or whatever. Um, it doesn't, hasn't worked out super well because everybody in my family kind of likes really similar things. So then it ends up everybody's doing it anyway. Um, but I keep trying. <laughs> I keep um, opening up the opportunity for them to have their own spaces. Um, and so that's what, that's the way that we have addressed it is just I think to to just be really honest, um, I think that actually um, removes a lot of the shame and the stigma if it is just spoken of just in very basic terms of, yeah, that is hard for you and that's not hard for them, but they will have something else that is hard for them that you won't. Um, and the reality is some kids are going to have kind of everything be hard for them and some are going to have everything be easy for them. Um, but the, the Lord he works that out. <laughs> and the reality is even the people who have everything easy, it's not always easy. It might be relational stuff. It might be um, just even their own accusing thoughts, whatever. Um, and so to, to just say that the, the reality is you're going to have things that are hard for you. Your siblings are going to have things that are hard for them. And we, we don't know what necessarily what those are going to be maybe in this exact moment, but we know that those things are going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you said there as far as, yeah, finding what things some kids are good at. And then, you know, there's others that others are not as good at. I love how you said, though, just talking about it like it's normal, right? There's no shame in being good at some things and not good at others. And I, I love your example from theater that God created you. You are the way you are. So what are you going to do with that, right? Or are we going to sit there and be sad that we're not good at this? Or are we going to find a way to improve and move on? So I, I love everything you said before we wrap up. Is there anything else you would like to say or any additional encouragement you'd like to offer somebody who's listening right now? Um, I probably would just like to just reiterate that it is, unless your child has a severe disability, it really is. Um, just a season of life that is going to be hard. Um, and so to, to just say, this is a season, of course I can survive and I can support my child through this season. And this doesn't have to define them for the rest of their lives. Just like none of us hope that the one thing that we're not awesome at defines us. Um, and for most of us, it doesn't have to. If we can be speaking words of life over our children, if we can avoid um, kind of even just absorbing the cultural shame and saying like, oh, this is just what we're working on. Um, I think that that will just help us and help our children be able to face whatever challenge they have in a much uh, healthier and positive way. I think um, it, this does not have to be the end of the world. It is not the end of your child's life if they are struggling, um, whether they are struggling now in first grade or whether they're struggling in sixth grade or honestly, ninth, 10th, 11th, like they just there is time, there is space, there are solutions. And um, if you 
just say like, I'm not going to give up on my child. You will be able to find those tools. Oh, I love that. That was so good. Yeah. And, and I hope that in doing that, right, when you're raising your children, when you're homeschooling them, when they grow up, then they also know that you've got their back, right? That they can come to you, that that you still support them emotionally or with advice or whatever the case may be as adults too. And it, it to me, that just builds that relationship so solidly. So I love what, what you said today, the encouragement that you brought. I know I am now like excited and ready to go teach the kids and, and make sure that I am breathing that life into them, like you said, and, and speaking positive words over them and reminding them they are children of God and he made them the way they are. I mean, so many things you said are, are so good. And so hopefully whoever is listening is also getting that encouragement. Um, as always, if you have any questions or anything, reach out to us in the Sunlight Connections community and we would love to encourage you and pray for you as well if you're dealing with something and you happen to be listening right now. Janelle, thank you so much for being here again today. As before, it was a great time talking to you and I, I'm walking way encouraged and feel like I learned a lot too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sunny. It was great being together.